ready. <laughs> I repeat, over and out. Over and out? No, over and in. Welcome. This is just now starting. Yes, it is. Let's get it started. Welcome to Untitled Van Life Project, the podcast. I'm Amy. This is Caleb. And this episode that we are bringing to you today is part of our Untitled Reads series. Yes, which is a series where we uh, go over some of our favorite books. <laughs> yes, our favorite books. Um Excuse our dog that just decided to continue eating in the background. We thought he was finished, but apparently he's not. So you're just going to have to deal with that. This is kind of just the thing about recording a podcast in the van is that uh, if our dogs want to eat, you're probably going to hear it. Because they eat in the same place that we record this podcast, in the same place that we eat, in the same place that we sleep, in the same place that we do all of our work. And I'll be honest, this is kind of an odd time for said dog (laughs) to be eating. Typically, a dog does not eat at this time. But I believe now he is finished. So uh, maybe we can actually get into this Untitled Reads. (laughs) What is Untitled Reads? It's a podcast series where we go over our, some of our favorite books, or maybe not even favorite books, but just like books we choose to go over. Yes. I wouldn't say, I would not say favorite because I just wouldn't. I like definitely even some of the ones we've already done aren't. I would not say is my favorite books. Well, actually, most of the ones we've already done are besides for the first one are ones that we just approached this year. True. Like besides the one we're about to do. Well, um, it was new for me. It was new for you, yeah. yeah. Uh, but for me, but most of the other ones have been ones we've read. So I mean, this what year. we're what we're referencing? The first one we did was The Alchemist. Yes. We had both read that years ago. The next one we did was Into the Wild. That was something neither one of us had read until... Until Living in the Van. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was So Much Things to Say in Oral History of Bob Marley. And yes. oh, that's man. another one that Good. we hadn't... Like, it was our first time reading it this year. So the next one, this is number four in this series. The one that we are it's doing... number... Quattro? 1984. Okay. Get it? So the I one, just gave it away. The one that we're talking about today is 1984 by George Orwell. And you have read this book multiple times. And you, the first time you read it, how old were you? Like, what was your life looking like? Where <laughs> were you? What was my life looking like? My life was looking like Winston Smith. Oh, under shit. Under the watchful eye of Miss Padres. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I was in mid probably to mid to late high school so it was high school it was high okay. school i thought it um, was but i i didn't know for sure yeah when did you think it might have been if it wasn't high school i thought college but oh college i think i i think i've read it kind of every year i think i read it once in high school and then i read it once in college i mean we've had the copy of the book that we have now had that we have now for years yeah well it um, was yours Okay, right? yeah, it was probably the one I've had this whole time. Like, I think you brought it. I think it. I bought this one in college, though. Yeah, the one I read I in high did. school was not. But uh, I, the first time I read it in high school, it was like, I think, I kind of forgot this detail about myself, but I believe, <laughs> I remember I used to say that it was one of my favorite books. You did. When I, I feel like when we first started dating, yes. like that, like I had obviously heard of it, um, but I do remember like when I was getting to know you, like it coming up as one of your favorite books. Yeah, it was definitely, especially, I mean, through the high school era where, uh, as a 
just as who I was in high school, I wasn't reading a lot of books for like extracurricular. You were busy. Fun. I was busy with sports <laughs> or and stuff. And uh, yeah, and so I in, in high school I ended up more reading just the books that we were supposed to read. And uh-huh. I think 1984 was probably on one of those reading lists. It was. It but definitely was. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So did um, you read it? It was definitely it? like one of my out of the books I read in high school. It was for sure a fave. But I'm not. I'm saying it's it what probably wasn't going up against the preferred. You know, preferred reading list. Preferred reading list. Yeah. It was going one. up against what, like Death of a Salesman and Great Gatsby and in All Quiet on Scarlet the Western Letter. Front. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, all those books. Okay. And so yeah, this one was just definitely one that caught my eye. Also, I was kind of like a you know more rebellious in high school, and so it's a good book for that. Yeah. Maybe. We'll maybe. Get to that. <laughs> maybe. Yes. So, would you say it's one of your favorite books now? Like, has it? progressed with you like has it definitely i think the longest break besides the first time i read it where it was like maybe like you know zero years to like 17 years uh-huh. or 16 years well, yes this yes. was the, the second longest break <laughs> in between readings of it for me and i had kind of put it out of my mind for a while i remember i think uh, i don't remember what when it was but i read it once in college and i think i've read it once since we've been married mm-hmm. um and after that reading i think it was pretty early on i kind of just like put it out of my mind and i remember like i remember after finishing it that time uh i was like recommending you to read it because you yeah. never read it and yeah. i think you started it actually around that time but did not finish it and then yeah it just i kind of didn't think about it until um We've been getting back into reading a little more, maybe because of this podcast mm-hmm. series uh, in the van. And it was a book that was up for me, kind of. I was like, hey, it's I want to read that again. And and honestly, actually, it came to my mind with uh, reminiscing on the year 2020. Actually, that was kind of the main catalyst was I was like, oh, I want to go back and read George Orwell's 1984 because of how I've seen and experienced the last year. So I definitely want to circle back to that. I think there is some things to unpack there, but I want to ask first. So like, how did it age? Like now reading it at 31, last time you read it, you were in your twenties. Like, has it aged well? Well, you just gave away my age on the podcast. Well, it's not going to be your age for long. (laughs) No, by the time this comes out, I'll actually be (laughs) tres y un dos. Oh my. (laughs) Treinta y dos. Yeah. Uh, what was your question? Did it age well? Like, is it still... Yes, I think it aged Does it still... Do you like it still as much as you did the last few times? Yes, I think I do. And I think this last time reading it, um, it's not... We're not experts on the book by any means. Oh my gosh. It is hard to understand. It was not an easy understanding when I read it in high school. It's still not. But I feel like now, having read it over and over through a few different years of my life like I, I get a little more complete of a picture in how I understand it yeah but there's still some things that I feel like go way over my head and also I don't like to think or talk about politics and so this makes it challenges some of those concepts but some of those concepts I have may be like infant in their progression as a full idea Yes. Yeah. You don't, you don't like to think or talk politics at all. So I, yeah. So I kind of relate to maybe just some like over general concepts of humanity. So I can't wait to dive into all the politics that this book offers because it is a lot. It is a lot. It really is. Which is kind of surprising as to why it's a, I mean, I can see why it's a book that you really, really like and like it stayed in your library for so long. I can see, like, knowing you and reading it, I can definitely see how, like, I see a lot of things that would interest you. But then also, I mean, at the core, 
it's uh, politics is part of the core of this book. So it is funny to me that that's one that stuck with you for so long. I mean, I think it's just a kind of study or deep dive on like how humanity acts. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I kind of in a similar way, I would, um, one of my other favorite books in high school was uh, Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Which you, I don't, have you read that one? I have read that. You have read that one. Not since high school, um, but, but I have read it. But it's kind of another just general commentary on, yeah, humanity mixed with politics and well, kind of like social. How humans decide to bring about social order. Yes. And what that looks like. And and why does that naturally just come about? And yeah. how is it maintained? How is the power allotted? Because it's probably, I mean, I think it's shared. It always comes about, no matter what group of humans you want to talk about. Like, there's going to be some sort of, yeah, political order, some sort of order and peacekeeping oh, this... in some way. I mean, like, whether you're talking like, as something as big as a country, or you're talking like a family. I mean, like anything. Well, that's what, yeah, I think Lord of the Flies kind of answers that yeah. question. Like, even stranded on uh-huh. an island with a bunch of kids who, like, obviously had no idea of government or politics, mm-hmm. it, like, turns into that. It just naturally happens. Naturally. Why like, is there that? Has, like, humans have to find an order. Okay, I think that is a conversation for another podcast. Oh, you don't want to go into the politics No, part. maybe when we do an untitled reads on, like, Story of B or Ishmael, we can talk more about how humanity came to be this way. <laughs> okay. Right? That's not really what I was going for. I was just going for why do I we know, have but that's, this? That's the answer I would give you, I think. <laughs> because that is how did humanity get to be this how do we come to be where we are? And so the, does the book hold up well? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just as challenging to my thoughts and beliefs and ideas uh, now as it was when I read it, as was the world when he wrote it back in like 1949. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we're going on like 80 years Mm-hmm. since it's been written and I still think it holds a lot of relevance it's almost like how I would recommend the story be like every time you read it there's going to be something that like challenges your idea whether the whole scope of your life looks different from the last time you read it or the political scope of the world looks different like there's there's good stuff good thought food <laughs> food for thought <laughs> well I'm trying to news speak it thought food. okay okay got you food for thought is way too long Come got on. you okay sorry <laughs> sorry so I, yes, I just read 1984 for the first time. Yes. And what did you think? What pushed you to read it this time? <laughs> mm, I mean, I've always been really intrigued by it. Like, I've always, I know, I'd always heard the idea. And it's kind of crazy how even, like, little sayings and lots of newspeak things from the book, like, have just made their way into pop culture, which is kind of funny in a sense because well, like everyone has heard of 1984 everyone knows a few terms from 1984 like i always knew big brothers watching you like i knew about thought police like you know i'd heard these things um and that whole concept kind of intrigued me because you know then I, then you kind of learn like oh okay so this book is about this world where like obviously the government is super super controlling i mean it's a total totalitarianism to the extreme mm-hmm. government where they're super controlling and like it's about the main character living in that essentially. I mean, that's a very basic plot and that intrigues me. Um, so I've always been intrigued by it and I have, I think I started it twice. Oh really? Yes. And did not finish. And that is because it's not cause I didn't like it or it wasn't like hitting well. It just, 
I, I wasn't committed to it. And it is kind of a book I think you have to commit to, not because it's long, but just it's, it's a hard to read. sit and read. Yes, you have to be very, very focused. And you, yeah, you have to be committed to the process, I think, of reading yes, it. You can't like, half-ass it. Yeah, he, like, you, it's almost like building a mosaic. He doesn't, yeah. it's not just, you don't get the whole picture right away. Like, parts of the whole story come into focus more as the story progresses until mm-hmm. at the end you kind of have a full picture. But it wasn't built from, like, you know, block one to block 20. And I don't think any of those times I started it, I wasn't fully, I wasn't fully committed. I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to read this. Sure, I'll start it. And then, you know, like life got busy and it had been like over a month since I'd read. And then it's like, well, I don't even really remember where I was. <laughs> yeah. And now you'd have to start over. Yeah. So finally I committed to it. <laughs> really is it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot. It took a lot of very focused reading. Um, but I mean, the story in the world does kind of just pull you in. I, intriguing. I don't know. Intriguing is the word that keeps coming to mind. Like. It had always been intriguing, and then when I actually was reading it and started reading it, it continued to be intriguing, and post-reading it, it's still intriguing. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really the word I have for it. It's just interesting, and yeah, it just leaves you with things to think about. It does, yeah. That's why I think it's a, it holds up. And yeah. even though, yeah, maybe some of the writing style is outdated, too, but... I kind of like it. You like it? I mean, you know, you don't... You just, don't right. read a it's lot not, of things it's in not that as style. bad as uh, Thoreau. <laughs> I have not. Walden I haven't gotten to him story, yet. But yeah, that's true. He's not. Uh, I'm a little Orwell's more intimidated by that. Bad, but um, yeah, just the information he's presenting and the ideas he's presenting you with are like multi-layered, and it takes a few cuts to get to the yeah. meat. So what are or some not of the, meat, the to the vegan meat? What are some tempe, of the ideas <laughs> and things and beliefs and things that you've been thinking about since you read it well do we need to recap the story at all or is this everyone who's heard this knows the story i mean we can re i mean we try to recap stories on this and we end up going way too long okay so i'll let you do it because you're a lot less wordy than i am really i'm less wordy than you yes are you being no i don't know i think i'm wordy sometimes so the story a rundown a rundown rundown yeah there's a uh heavily um controlling government that um, this guy Winston Smith finds himself as a low-ranking member Mm -hmm. of this government and he is pretty much seeing how the government is trying to brainwash the whole society into just uh, ultimate uh, obedience to them whatever they say and he secretly kind of hates it and like has um, a memory of times before the government came to power, even though the government's trying to control everyone's like thoughts in the history. And so he wants to rebel against it, but he knows that probably means death. Um, and, and torture and, and torture. Yeah. And, um, he eventually kind of finds a way, his own way through a, uh, female relationship he has of rebelling against the party. That's the government or the, the, name, the, of the, the name of the government is called Virtue as the party. And so through their kind of like romantic relationship, they, which is forbidden in uh, the government, they like feel like they're rebelling and they kind of, that's their, their win for themselves, but they end up getting caught. They end up getting sent to this place where it's almost like a, uh, like a, 
what are the camps? Like a concentration mm-hmm. camp, mm-hmm. sort of. He's like tortured endlessly for honestly, we don't know how long. Months. He doesn't know years, how long. Years. He doesn't know how long. Basically, to the brink of death, and then until he like forsakes everything and like betrays everything he's ever known and loved, including Julia, his his, which was like the final step mm-hmm. of like how the party completely brainwashes him and breaks him. Mm-hmm. And once they do that, they put him back out into society. And that's kind of the twist yeah. at the end, which I was excited to hear you read about, is that you kind of think, like, the whole, there's three parts of the book. The first part, you kind of get the, you're getting the whole background on the party and the mm-hmm. government and how the world works. <laughs> and then part two is where, like, he meets Julia and they really, like, have their rebellious lovemaking. This is an act of, what does he say, war. <laughs> that's what he calls the love making mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then part three is they get captured and you just see winston brutally tortured and like brainwashed in all these like different physical tortures and then like mental mm-hmm. lessons mixed with physical mental tortures. tortures yeah mental tortures um because o'brien one of people he thought was, was his friend betrays him mm-hmm. and turns him in or captured captures him and yeah and then eventually you kind of think he's just gonna die and now he ends up like one of the final sentences is spoiler alert i love big brother mm-hmm. which is yeah the the personification kind of of the party mm-hmm. the president let's say <laughs> who knows if he's even real or not yeah that <laughs> i don't think he is i really don't oh, i don't think he is either i think that's i think the it's brilliance behind that yeah yeah but so yes, yeah, that's that was, the rundown. That was How was that? Was that, that was wordy? Good. Would you no, have said it wordier? That was good. I would have said it much wordier. That was good. That was good. <laughs> I try. I mean, there's a lot of little intricate things throughout the book, and yeah. obviously, we're not going to be able to cover them all in here. Oh gosh, you should no. go read it yourself, and then we could do. I feel like we could do three part podcast. Well, like, we I already do turned one down over. one of your questions that I think could be a whole podcast. <laughs> Turn it down because yeah. So <laughs> there's one at least. This is two where okay. we actually talk about the book and running down some of it okay so okay so then what like good call what is like hmm i don't know if i know how to word this but like what do you feel like you are really still continuing to think on like after reading it this time around like what really challenges your thinking you know like what do you leave feeling do you feel like do you feel hopeless do you feel defeated do you feel um inspired do you, like, you know, how does it leave you feeling? Um, not inspired. <laughs> uninspired. Um, uh, yeah, uninspired. Sorry. That's yes. how Newspeak would say it. Yes. Um, it feels like I'm basically going to be an unperson someday. Okay. I'm, like, more hopeless, I think. <laughs> so if you're not into hopeless reads, don't read it. But, well. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, what were you about to say? Well, I was going to say, it's interesting that you brought, you bring up that you think, do you think it's a hopeless read? Like, at the end, it's just hopeless? Because Winston just goes right back into society and under, he's even more under the party's control. That's pretty dark. Than he was at the beginning? Um, no, it doesn't feel hopeless. It doesn't feel like we're there yet. See, I would make, <laughs> I, like, the only little ray of hope I could find at the end was... Like, it took, you see how many different people and how long it took the party to break down Winston. One person. Like, there were lots of people involved. We don't know how long he's in the Ministry of Love being tortured, but, like, 
all before that, you know, O'Brien's following him. Like, you know, it was a whole long process just for one person to break one person down. Yeah. So I feel like the only hope there is like, there's got to be more than one person thinking this way, having these questions that Winston is having. And if it took that many people and that long for them to break down one person, if there's more of those people, it's just going to be impossible for them to get everyone and to break everyone down. So that's the hope I was left <laughs> that's with. That's the hope you have. Yeah. Well, I think based on the people we meet in the book, they're all pretty, uh, pretty party lovers, shall we say. Party lovers. Yeah. I mean, I wrote Not- down about, like, other than Winston and Julia, and Julia actually is, like, Winston's aims, he's, like, trying to, like, take down the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia is pretty apathetic to the whole party she just like wants to rebel for the sake of it mm-hmm. you know and that just happens to be who she has to rebel against mm-hmm. so they're kind of their agendas are like a little bit different and how they like come to their relationship of rebellion mm-hmm. um but each both playing their part but anyways, yeah. Yeah. outside of them like all the other characters like the main side characters you meet are all like party lovers i like, mean you're right parsons so who knows you're right. From Mr. Parsons' kids to his wife to Winston's old wife, who was so strict. One of the most interesting. But I'm glad you have hope. I'm glad you're a glass. Well, that's a glass half full, right? There. I had to look for it. <laughs> One of the most interesting things that I found in this world in Oceania in 1949, or I guess 1984, actually, is um, how the party. <laughs> how they controlled the past and they would manipulate the past so that anything happening in the present was like supporting them or supporting their claim or supporting their stance on anything. And like, you really get insight to this because Winston's job working for the party, do you remember his title or like who he works for? The Ministry of Truth, I guess. The Ministry of Truth, yeah. I think he just, like, corrected facts in media. Yes. So, basically, what what he does is anytime there's anything, like, written, like, in a magazine, a newspaper article, whatever, from the past that does not... Encyclopedia. Yeah, encyclopedia, dictionary, like, they'll delete words. Anything that does not line up with the present moment and what the party is trying to... How they're trying to add to their manipulation and control, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't line up with that his job is to correct all these things in the past or correct in quotes yes correct forge the truth or to like totally get rid of um totally get rid of some of these things that have happened in the past yes so that it's totally gone so that like even erasing people and events that those mm -hmm. people were engaged in but it becomes such a mind fuck because then these these people like have a memory in their mind. They're like, wait, I remember that this happened 20 years ago. Like they have this vague, you know, try to remember something happens 20 years ago. It's going to be a vague memory. So like you think it's there, but then they try to find proof of it. Like by going back and looking in history books or pictures or magazines or newspapers, and they can't find any proof of it. And so then they're like, man, I guess I just made that up. Like maybe that was a dream. I don't know. And that to me, like I, I like psychological things like that. Like, that was really just intriguing. Yeah, yeah, that's a very... I mean, I think that's, like, a theme Yeah, I put is, like, how truth is relative and then how the government was, like, manipulating it to, like, benefit their power. Yes. So, 
And yeah, that's where I think Winston's such kind of like a prime. He's like the protagonist because he is in that role of where we don't know when the party came into control, but it wasn't, it was at some point like later in Winston's life. Mm -hmm. He had kind of lived like half of his life before the party was in control. So he has these memories of a different way of politics. But now everything he reads, everything he writes, everything he does in work is erasing those memories. And he's so far removed from it. He's like, were those actual memories or like everything I read, everything I am remembering and forced to remember, like those don't exist. This is how it's always been. And that is... That's dangerous. Yes. That is dangerous and really just kind of fucked up to think about, but also like interesting to think about. <laughs> so how do you think that relates then to our world now? Oh gosh. I mean... You know, like, I want to sit and say, like, oh, it's not as extreme as that. Like, that's so extreme. Like, there's not, you know, a whole department <laughs> that, like, literally their only yes. job is to forge and change history in the past. And, like, yes. Well, if, if they do have one, they're doing a terrible job because Jeffrey <laughs> Epstein is still a name being said. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so, yeah, it is. I can sit here and say that. But, like. I don't know, maybe in some ways we're there with some things, you know, like I have always said this before, like, and I don't necessarily think I would like just put this on the government. Like, I think it can be true about anyone and anything with the internet nowadays. Like I've always said, I think people, I don't know if this is the same thing, but I've, people can always find something to support what the point they're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always find evidence and things to back up what you're trying to get across. And then the person you're arguing with, same thing. On the other end of the spectrum, they can always find articles or proof or truth in what they're trying to get across. So then it just almost feels like, what do you... Like, I feel like we're stuck in now. Like, well, what even is the truth if, like, both sides of this argument can find valid points somewhere? Double think. Which one is the truth? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's what you have to decide. So, like, I kind of think... That's kind of what we deal with and relate with, like, here now in society is, like, I mean, I'll use, there are obviously very present-day examples we could use, but I will use something a lot more (laughs) lighthearted, like Golden Retrievers being the most obedient dog. Like, I'm sure you could find lots of research, lots of articles to back that up. I'm sure if you're arguing with someone about that, they, and they say, no, Labrador Retrievers are. I mean, they could find all this information and all this, these points to back up theirs as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> so it's I like... I think I got it before the example even. Well... I think the example confused me more. I'm just kidding. No, th- that too. was a great example. We looked at <laughs> Like the golden retrievers. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So, I mean, I do think we like see some of that. No, I do. I definitely think we see that in our world. Yeah. It just looks different. I think so. I mean, I think the example that I thought of um, is You didn't just... think of the dogs? No. Okay. I did not think of the dogs. <laughs> I thought of just... I, I do think it's like, to the extreme that it is in 1984, is it's like it's not accurate. Like, it's not that extreme yet, like you said. Mm-hmm. Where there's like literally a section of the government that yes. is like forging and erasing documents mm-hmm. to like forge the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but like also George Orwell, I think, said like it's not, and it's not a prediction or anything. It's just kind of like a dramatized, a warning. yeah, warning of like what what he sees in the government and like what it possibly could become. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? Um, and I think, yeah, he was right 
where he like he he gets in the ballpark of this especially with like media nowadays but then also just um to bring up bo burnham the comedy's in uh the comedian his inside when he's talking about how the world works and then Sacco comes mm-hmm. up and sings his version of it it's like if i were to ask you how was history presented to you growing up mm-hmm. as like where you were born where you were from in a very positive light mm-hmm. like everything has worked towards you being right here in this classroom to learn that everyone our forefathers everything they did was right and accurate oh, yes. and, and upstanding and furthering their manifest destiny and Amer- america is great yeah and america is great and mm-hmm. it's like how is the actual truth of history when you look at it mm-hmm. it's like it's not just black and white mm-hmm. and, and our history is not just shiny and white it's mm-hmm. very Dark, And I think a lot of that is kind of just chosen to not be portrayed accurately in our school systems. Mm -hmm. Like, unless you, like, search out and find it. And I think that's one reason, like, 1984 has been banned in a lot of places is because it, yeah, it makes people be like, wait, where I'm being presented with all this information in such a light that it's not giving the full truth of the matter. I think, I, it's interesting you bring that up, that it's banned in a lot of schools. I think... Like, people are worried. People could be worried about others reading 1984 because it just at least, like, makes you start questioning. Like, whether you finish the book. Yes. What? Why are you laughing? No, I'm laughing because you're, like, spot... Like, yeah. Yeah, um, they, like, the the people that are banning the book are doing what the people in the book are doing. <laughs> They're, like, limiting people's in, uh, access to information. Mm-hmm. That's a essentially like controlling the mind to where they don't have access to these thoughts that will make them question and challenge like yes. their existence in society. Yes. To make them obedient and behave. Because when you're obedient and you behave, you don't ask questions. Exactly. You and, when just... you don't, and people who don't ask questions aren't problems. Wow. <laughs> so do you think people so ask I think questions? You, I, no, I think you nailed it. You That's think people... I was like, you were, yeah, yeah, is... yeah. So like, do you think people ask questions like are problems? good problems i think i think they can be viewed i i'm asking but i agree with you like i think oh. they could be viewed as problems like um, yeah one of kind of my <laughs> mantras in high school and i think it was around the time i read 1984 was like question everything uh-huh. like I, and i think this this book yeah plays into that for sure it's like no just just because you're told one thing and because that one thing you're told is like carried out as truth throughout the history of your society doesn't mean it's truth question it like what is that uh, uh, the worst it's going to do it's going to lead you back to be like okay it is true i was going to say like yes the worst that could happen is you question it and you like really dive into it and you're like no i actually i like i did the research i dove in and like personally i think that's true not because someone else told me it was true and i just believed it but like i think that's true yeah i mean i don't know if that's the word i wouldn't know if i'd even say that's the worst that could happen that that is a potential outcome yeah the other potential outcome is you dive into it and you're like okay, I don't feel like this is has any truth at all, or I don't feel like it's the whole truth. Maybe part of it's true, but I don't feel like it's the whole truth. And then you just, you know, dive in some more. Yeah. And you develop your own personal truth. Yeah, you come to find your truth. And I think that that then just benefits, I don't know, it benefits society because then you have all these different individuals who have their own personal truths. Mm-hmm. And it just creates a much more colorful society. Yes, diversity you know? is how life on Earth survives. Think about all the think like, about even if you think about okay nature. Yes, I was gonna say mushrooms. Is there just like one type of mushroom that that has ruled over that like lives everywhere? No, that 
like the tons of different species of fungi out there are innumerable. Think like about still finding new species. Think about dogs. Is there just Back one? To dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right, you're on your dog motif. Is there just one type of dog? No, no there are humans so fucked that up too. <laughs> <laughs> well, even without that, there were there were definitely more different kinds of dogs. <laughs> there was probably the wolf. Yes, the wolf and the um. The coyote. The coyote. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have and there is the something, corgi. There is something called the wild dogs. There are wild dogs. Too. Wild dogs. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mushrooms know. were definitely a better example. <laughs> yes. I don't know why you had to go and try to give another I just, example. I saw an opportunity to bring dogs back in. <laughs> and I got right. excited. You're like Joe in the office when Michael's like, that's like Mississippi. Moss on a Mississippi, Mississippi tree stone. She's like, what? Did you have to go? Was my example not good enough? <laughs> You had to go and one-up me there? Uh, anyways, where were we? Oh, yes. Talking about how history manipulated in, is in society today. I think mm-hmm. another way that one reason, like, I wanted to read this book again from... Okay, we're recording this podcast in 2021. Yes. So when I refer to you as a listener whenever you're listening to this, which you're probably in like 2084, it's still that relevant. This podcast is still that relevant. This book will still be relevant. I like how you said 2084, like 100 years after 1984. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, keep going. Uh, So that's when people will be listening to it Mm because it'll be even more relevant than Mm -hmm. 100 years from when it was written. Yes, yes. Or from when it was predicted. Yes, that's when it was predicted, not when it was written. Um, Yes. Oh, I was going to say, so when I refer to the last year, I'm talking about, this is 2021, so, you know, the last year. So you're referring to 2020? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And though I don't watch a lot of media, there there was definitely being presented multiple sides to the same story as truth, and those truths were contradicting, and depending on who you listen to, and what you watched, and what avenue of media you intook, you would believe one thing as truth, and another person would believe the complete opposite as truth, Mm -hmm. and both of them were equally being told to the general public through every avenue of media that they were all true, and the other side was false. Well, this is kind of like what I was going... Not to bring the dogs back into this, but like what I was, this is what I was getting at when I first brought up the most obedient dog argument. Yes. You could find whatever kind of evidence and backup you're looking for. So in some of the things that happened last year in 2020, whatever side you stood on, you could find scientific evidence to back up your belief and what you saw as truth. Maybe. I don't know scientific. But you can find evidence. You yes. can find people on your side, at least. Yes. If that counts as evidence. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. say that counts as evidence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we have seen that, like, very recently. Like, we have... Yes. We unless have, you're listening unless to you're this in 2084. Then you Maybe. might not have seen it very recently. Knows, but, but you probably still have. Because if he wrote this in 1949, and we're still reading and talking about it 80 years later, like... I think this Society's will, on this path of... You I mean, know, I think this will... things are ingrained into it. I think this will forever be a thing of... Um, I mean, I think as long as society exists, it might look different over time. But I think there's always going to be this theme of... Am I, is what I'm being presented with, is it truth? And like finding that out for yourself. I think that's a good question of humanity. Yeah. 
in or with or without society. I think it can exist there. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. But yeah. Um, what other things have you written down? <laughs> <laughs> what, what other things have I taken notes on? Mm-hmm. You, okay, well, what did you think happened to was going to happen to Winston at the end? Like when I, he was being tortured. Yeah. I mean, so when he's being tortured, I guess the two outcomes that came in my mind were he's going to die or he's going to give them what they, they want. They always shoot you in the back of the head at some point. He's going to give them what they want and he's going to... Uh, something's going to come of that, whether he's like works even higher up in the party or like whatever that means. Mm-hmm. He's not going to die, but he's going to like give in to the party essentially. So both of those outcomes were kind of like swirling around in my head and... I was very, very, I don't know, I was very open to how it ended. Um, Having read this book so much later than a lot of other people my age, um, I had also always heard that there was a big twist at the end. Like, I'd heard that specific phrase, there's a big twist at the end. So, I I don't know, I guess since, like, knowing there was a twist, to me, either one of those options were a twist. Like, I don't know, I didn't really feel... (laughs) You had no idea how it was going to end. I didn't feel sold on either one. Yeah. But I figured it was one of those two. And honestly, either one felt like a twist. So Which would feel, so now that he didn't die, which would have felt more defeating to the protagonist that he got, if he died or if in like one still? Which would be more defeating? I think yeah. the way it ended is more defeating. <laughs> because he I think goes if he... back into society mm-hmm. as a brainwashed Robot. party lover. Not even like, he doesn't even really, he's kind of apathetic to it. But now he's going to go and do his duty. I mean, he's going to do his job for the rest of time. I feel like the, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about like, why do you think, how do you think he came to that decision? Like, why didn't he stand his ground and die? Yeah. And I think that eventually the torture, everything they were doing to him, I think he just finally, I mean, he was like physically withering away. Like, I think he just finally came to the conclusion that like, it would be easier just to give them what they want and go back into society. It'd be easier to do that than to try to continue fighting. And by fighting, basically just staying alive in this torture chamber. And so he just gave in just because that was the, that was just easier. And that's pretty defeating. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the Why do you think he chose to give in? I think I think a little bit differently. I don't okay. think he chose. I think they won. I think they actually won because i think you know even he's such a good character in this setting because even from the even from the get-go he's like questioning everything yeah he's questioning the party but he's also questioning if he questions the party what does he have on the other side to like to hold on to or to believe Mm -hmm. in and eventually that becomes for him the one thing he can find that actually like gives him life i don't know for lack of a better term is his relationship his love for julia mm-hmm. and it feels like that kind of love that he had for her is something that is forbidden through in the party mm-hmm. and so that that he was gonna like once he gets captured and tortured i feel like you know he says several times like eventually they're gonna just shoot you in the back of the head like they're just they keep on like however long they torture him and they go through these sessions of like mentally brainwashing him brainwashing him and like making sure he understands like the aspects of the party's power from like double think and he like he gets those very well and Mm -hmm. i think he always had like throughout the book he understands what double think is and that's why it drives him crazy because he understands it like 
so realistically. He's like, how can I hold these two truths when I know one truth is true, but everyone is everything is saying that the other truth is true. And so he eventually comes to accept all that, but I feel like the one thing he was able to like hold on to that he thought he would take to his grave, which would be a victory for him, would be the love. Even if he like died physically, like if he held on to that, um, then like that would his life would be like he had, he had fulfilled his kind of rebellion to the brotherhood or mm-hmm. whatever against the party. And yeah, I think he thought room one on one was death mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it was like his absolute worst fear. And with fear, they like were able to break his love. And I think like once that, the last thing he held on to was like breaking his love, his like when he betrayed Julia, like wishing that she would take his torture. Mm-hmm. Like he hadn't wished any other torture on her. But when they put, like, his worst fear of the rats against mm-hmm. him to, like, eat him alive, he, <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. It is so very, Game of Thrones. It's, yeah, it's very, yeah, they do do that in Game of I Thrones. Know. Exactly. They do. Um, like, once they're able to, like, take that from him, then he has, like, absolutely nothing left. That is what he had found on the other side of his questioning that he had was, like, well, at least I have love. And then, like, he knew if he could just hold on to that, even if he, like, gave them every other, if he... He could think everything else they wanted him to think and believe. But if he held love, he felt like he was still, like, outside of the party. And they broke that. And and once and then he was theirs. And that is someone who has read the book four times. (laughs) (laughs) So that is why it's defeating. Is fear greater than love? It won out here. But I also think, I mean, fear, the the party rules with, like, fear, hatred, uh, just, like, negativity mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh surveillance i mean fear is definitely the main motive i think i think the party has learned fear is the main motive and the way to keep people doing what you want them to do yes fear and then i mean even they take it to and a survival level. i guess too. fear torture um i feel like i wrote down a bunch of words i Repression. see words. Oppression? Repression. Repression. Yeah. I think one thing the party was trying to do with, um, which is an interesting thought in terms of, like, the concept of, like, Ingsoc and, like, Mm -hmm. which is still kind of makes you question what information we're presented with today Mm -hmm. in certain avenues is how um, most, like, the party was, like, trying to limit people's thought to where eventually they they would come to where society, a person in society, an individual can only think one of 10 things and only and there's only 20 word or not 20 but like there's only a very limited terminology you think that what those certain mm-hmm. things and that in terms of you if you as a person can think let's say if there's 10 things for me to think in life and i max out i'm 10 of 10 all those are taken care of then they're saying that is actually ultimate freedom because you've like eliminated that and it's trying to like repress the thought where I think it's the opposite is actually like tearing away the barriers completely of thought. Does that make sense? No, but (laughs) the whole, I I mean, this is this right now, honestly talking about this book felt pretty intimidating only having, I mean, I'm sure it's always going to feel intimidating, but definitely only having read it once. It felt very intimidating. I mean, it's intimidating for me. I think it's intimidating for people to read. Uh, I don't think you ever, but the whole, the whole ink sock part, I don't, I did not really get a good grasp on all of that, the concept of all that. So that's why I got a little lost, (laughs) but, 
Um, I do think something that Orwell really, like, kind of a theme that he puts, or that is throughout the book, and you kind of do, you did touch on this just now, is, like, mm-hmm. the power of language and mm-hmm. how, yes, the party learned, okay, if we can um, limit the language, like, literally, one of things Winston does is he is, like, getting rid of old words and getting rid of... That's more sign, I think. Oh, okay, okay. His friend who Syme. gets erased. But they literally, they start getting a rid... A rid. <laughs> a they rid. start getting rid of, you know, whittling the language down, essentially. So, like you said, yes, eventually, the only words that you're going to know are, honestly, words the that, words like, speak... Make you know. yeah. Which are going to speak well of the party. And yes. words, like, there's not going to... It's not going to be possible for your mind to even conjure up a thought against the party exactly. because that language does not exist. Yeah, I think you understand it. And I think the party is saying, like, once they get to that level then the person will be, like, free. They, mm-hmm. they think, like, that's freedom of thought then, once you've kind of, like, if you can only... If your only realm of thinking about things is extremely contained, uh-huh. if you fill that realm, mm-hmm. then you like, filled in the bubble. Okay. Now the bubble can float free. Yes. Uh-huh. And so that's how they have control yeah. of, of you. But, yeah, it's essentially, I think, the whole just concept, the main concept and, like, motive behind their... Ingsoc is just lim- like controlling thought. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, the thought police um, is a huge thing throughout the book, um, which is just like honestly, it's kind of anyone. You you kind of don't know if they're really a an actual force or if it's just someone turning in someone else. Well, the creepy thing is like they start training the kids at a young age to be to be thought, to be police, thought police to their parents. Yes, and you, that does end up happening to one of Winston's neighbors gets turned in by his kid to the thought police because of like something he muttered in his sleep yeah and they overheard him yeah and so it's not like it's like is there an actual like force of like people called the thought police or is it just like who are they reporting to when exactly. they report to this? yeah i'm guessing it's some group in the party i don't know but it's like everyone is the everyone's yeah. thought policing themselves but you're reporting it to the like to the head sheriff thought police <laughs> I don't know. I think you just got to turn them into anyway. I don't know. They, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know how those they covered details. That. To O'Brien. Yeah. That coy bastard. <laughs> but I think that was another big thing or like catalyst for making me want to read it from last year was how I thought society had kind of started like thought policing itself or culture had become like its own thought police. There wasn't anyone that was like, like, hey, I am, you know, I'm the force of the thought police. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any group. It was just all of a sudden everyone be- kind of became a thought police. How? Um, I think it was pretty prevalent through social media mm-hmm. is kind of how it's come to, like, be in our society. So Instagram is the new thought police. Uh, or Twitter. Or Twitter. Twitter's but, the new thought but police. all of them. I mean, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Snapchat. Snapchat, sure. TikTok, whatever you want to mm-hmm. throw in there. Um, it's just like. A.I.M. I don't know. Do people is that still a thing? <laughs> is that considered I'm sure, social media? I'm sure media? you can get canceled for your away status on AIM now, or something on your buddy profile. Yeah, or it's for sure on your buddy profile. But it's just like so. Cancel culture is kind of what you're. Yeah, yeah, kind of. It's just like where one person's thought doesn't hold up to another reality. To reality. I don't know. People just started like it, they they made it a crime to think. Mm, okay. things and I don't think that should be a crime as I said earlier question everything like think about the other other side of thing because at the worst 
it leaves you learning more about the other side and coming back to your truth, mm-hmm. kind of like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it got to a point last year where it was just so many different sides like warring against each other, where it's like only like they didn't want they only wanted you to think one thing on their you couldn't side even, yeah on on their side you mm-hmm. couldn't even think the other way they wanted to limit thought and like thinking certain things would get you canceled would get yes. you, because like that thought is not right even mm-hmm. though it's never like came into action came into fruition uh, yeah, i don't have any like examples yeah. for this but yeah. it's just that I understand people's thoughts were being were being policed policed yeah, yeah. and flogged and tortured and you know killed and well it ended up being more than just their thoughts it ended up being then them as a person like then their character was yeah in question and they're, they're yeah. they were canceled which and it just it made i mean it made me feel like okay i don't want to th- i don't want to definitely put any thought of mine out into the public arena but then not even like think certain things like is it bad if i think something even just to think about it even to think the opposite side of the truth i know is truth is it bad for me to even think that and i think that's a wrong question i think it's not bad to think to to question and to think opposites and to try and see something from a different perspective i felt i mean i felt the exact same way last year i still feel that way a little bit now like it's still lingering um it's still it's definitely still there and it's it's been hard being someone who already, like, I lean towards, like, I already sometimes have a hard time finding what I think is true. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely, naturally, like, I lived more of my life just accepting what other people brought to me as truth. So, as someone who has, like, lived most of their life that way, it makes it, and, like, I feel like the last two few years I've started trying to figure out what my truth is. Like, what are my opinions? What are my thoughts? What are mm-hmm. my truths? last few years I've started on that journey and then all of a sudden 2020 and now it's still even in 2021 that hits and it like some days feels like it totally erased that whole road I had just started yeah. going down because it is scary it, it was scary and still is sometimes scary fear. so fear scary to yes have any kind of thought or any kind of questions or because yeah. And I think that is what where 1984 relates to the world in today, especially when you think back on the last 18 months is of how even these little like, yeah, you know, like the concept of the overall concept of Ingsoc is kind of weird. But I think it boils down to like controlling people's thoughts. But then when you think about like how the thought, you know, what you were just saying, mm-hmm. how it's like that's made you what are all these things doing that have like from how history is presented to social media thought police it's like making people fear to think so what's that fear going to make you do it's going to make you stop questioning it's going to stop thinking it's going to make you want to limit your mind to just like obey a path that at least you can see is straightforward mm-hmm. well i would say like speaking personally and like now i would say it's made me um just silent yeah like internally well more like externally silent Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't know what to say because yeah, I'm, I'm I, I don't know what's okay to say <laughs> <laughs> or like what, like, are there going to be repercussions to anything? I, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, of course that's always been the case in some way. Like, I, like, I think I've always known, like, obviously whatever you say, like it's, there can be repercussions for things you say. Like that's always been mm-hmm. a thing, but like, it's just even anything, like even just so simple things now, you simple know. Simple things, yes. Like, 
I could say I love avocado toast and like. And I would say, why do you hate hummus and vegetables? What <laughs> do you have against hummus and vegetables? No, I don't, it's, it is just a, literally made me think of pretty much anything and everything that comes out of my mouth. Which yeah. I did not, I was not that, that, I didn't have that much, uh, I wasn't paying that much attention. I don't I, know. I mean, I think that can be a good thing. I think I'm exactly where you are. Yeah. And have been in fluctuate between states of like that and then like trying to break through. Yeah. <laughs> of now, that's just kind of like where we are. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. What I was going with that, but I, I think I mean, it's true, and I think that's just you know you can see that's what. Some days, <laughs> some days are better than others. Like there are some days, like I don't feel like I can type out or say anything, and then there are some days where I really feel like I'm speaking my truth, and I feel really grounded in that. Yeah, so uh, I think we see how 1984 yeah. is still in like these concepts are still relevant and still need to be challenged and questioned because they're very prevalent in our own thinking here recording this podcast yeah 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 i feel it and so yeah that's that's why that's and i kind of like it kind of came up to me the book did when all this stuff was happening in real time in real time and i was like i want to read it because i think this is like there's some deep seeds that are Flowering. That are flowering in not ways you thought they would flower, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from exactly how they looked at and presented yes. in the book. But yes. Like there like, wasn't social the media in the book. and the idea are definitely flowering. And it's like, what? Where? I want to, yeah, I want to make sure I'm aware. Okay. I just like literally now got a parallel. Uh-huh. Like, so for us, I would say it's like um, in terms of. I don't know, social media is a big is a big player in all of this. It's and, a big player in just life now. Well, it's a big culture. It is that's true. But um, in terms of thought police, I feel like it's a big player. Yes. And a big thing in 1984, or something that the party does, is like everyone has a television in their home that they can't control. Um, but like it's a two way television. The party can always see you through your television and hear you through your television. And talk to you. And talk to you. And anytime it does play anything, it's, you know, something the party has put on, like an announcement or the two minutes of... Do they do the two, two minutes, minutes of, of hate, hate on there? Yeah. Something. Yeah. Everything um, is done on there. Yes. But you have no control over it. But it essentially is a spy of you in your house. Um, and yeah, literally, if you are doing something in your home that the party is against the party, like they... They can talk to you and say, you know, I don't know what they would say. I see you doing this. Yeah. Um, I just got like a parallel of that whole concept with, I guess, like, I think Instagram specifically, but like with social media as well, like everyone can, like whatever you decide to put out there, everyone can see and everyone can immediately like comment and say something about it and like reprimand or... But you also get to filter what you put out or curate. You do. This is the word where you do. Instagram was just like on all the time. People could see like us right now sitting <laughs> in the podcast, like recording no, the podcast. There is that difference, but like, but still, just this idea of like there is immediate access to reprimanding or immediate access to someone else being able to say something about what you said or did. Of course, with now with social media, you choose to put it out there, but. I don't know. This is real time. I mean, I think this is people, me in real think, time well, coming into this. A, like, I think people 
and I haven't looked into the evidence of this because I haven't worried about it, but, you know, people saying that, you know, your phones can actually listen to you and stuff. Oh, and like, yeah. And, like, how Google Maps can trap you, track you. I think mm-hmm. that might be a little more, like, better example than Instagram. Yeah. Because, uh, I yeah, and then also... Uh, well, I did, and once again, don't know if it's true, but I just saw where Apple is going to be able to, like, scan all the photos on everyone's phone who has an Apple phone mm-hmm. to search for, like, certain uh, flags. And oh. It's, and it's, like, I don't know the details behind it, but... Interesting. There's a lot of, like, privacy things with uh, oh, apps and companies and now that is very sketchy and gray. <laughs> yeah. To where people probably have a lot more information about you than you even think. You know, talk, we're always talking about how, like, ads pop up on our phone mm-hmm. from, like, we just talked about an item and now I'm seeing an ad for it, so... Like, literally, probably when I check my phone after this, it's going to be an ad for, like, the book 1984. And how much of that is just, like, paranoid fear from us and how much of that is, like, actual truth? I don't know. That's where... That's kind of gray. Yeah. Yeah, and and so and I think that's where we're seeing 1984 seep into the folds of society nowadays. You know, I hadn't even really thought about the phones, and yes, how I have same with you heard and experienced how they can hear you because we have done this. You know, we'll say, "Oh, we need this for the van," and we'll talk about it, and then the next day, those ads yeah. are on my phone. So I I think it's to me it's been proven, <laughs> but. Well, as of now, it feels like the motive is a little more just, like, advertisement-based yes. rather than, like, you know, totalitarian government-controlling-based. <laughs> so that's why I haven't really, like, fed too much into it or yeah. gotten, like, paranoid about the fact that It makes that, me laugh that made, more than anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did turn off a few years ago. I turned off, like, my Google tracking because mm-hmm. apparently, like, if you just had that on as a feature, you could literally pull up exactly if you had your phone. Or it'll show you where your phone was for as long as you've had your phone. Mm-hmm. Every single day of but, I mean, your you life. Can... <laughs> You're like, that information is available online. But it's like, that's becoming more and more normal now. Like, you say that, and to me, I'm like, okay, I mean... That's fine. See, and that's where, like, when people were reading this in 1949, telescreens were probably very futuristic. And yeah. now you're like, that's just, like, I've had this <laughs> telescreen in my hand for, like, when's the first time you got a phone? Like, yeah, they've progressed a lot, but since, like, high school, high school, yeah. uh, for us, now kids, like, kids nowadays mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get them when they're super young, you know? You knew how to use your mom's iPad when you were only two. Yes. But yeah, like you say that and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can. I mean, like I sometimes put that information out there. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll put, hey, like I'll post something, post a photo or a story. But like, well, I think that's this where, is where I am. Thing comes in. Yeah. yeah. And it like. You yeah. can like, you are tracking your, you're giving that information out. And that mm-hmm. is also a thing that is like new in our society. Or people are just giving all this personal information out from where we are located right now. You can find that information out. Yeah. Does that freak you out? No. Me neither. Should it? No. Like, is it? <laughs> no, I, I'm asking questions, okay? Uh, yeah. I is no not an answer? I gave an answer. <laughs> like, is this super... I don't know. It doesn't sound extreme to us because, like, that's just very much our reality. Become, yeah. But, like, it's and not, it's become it's like the norm. Of, but, like, us reading this, like, some of these, like, the telescreen thing, I think that's that sounds really, really weird to me. But like, is it, is it actually what, is it actually what my phone does? Like, we don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I think, yeah. So those questions that we can't, we can't answer or I can't answer, but I just feel like the concepts about like the, you know, mind control is 
the road to the party's power. I mean, I think it's... And how do they mind control through surveillance, terror, and propaganda? And what... uh, I read this... I refreshed my mind on it right before the podcast, but where O'Brien says, like, the future of humanity will be ruled uh, with a boot to the face... Mm-hmm. Is like is how he's like describing how the party will eventually like have ultimate power over everything. It's inspired like putting a boot to people's face and like forcing them into obedience by fear through all these avenues of surveillance, like constant terror, constant uh, propaganda, and just false information and manipulating the truth to where people like thinking about what's true is too hard. Like you said, like <laughs> your women says, like it just it was too too much yeah. so he just gave up and i think yeah. that's kind of what they're trying to get to where it's like there's there's no other option but to just follow the path the party presents you to think the thoughts that they thank you and that is ultimate obedience to them and they think that's ultimate i think the kind of dark part is um when o'brien is you know talking to winston in some of those torture sessions he's like that no that is what humanity wants that's kind of like a utopian society like that is what i was saying is freedom when you if there's only one way to go and humanity goes there, mm-hmm. like even though it's been controlled and manipulated to where, but eventually wants to get there. But once they get to that path, like then that is what, like it's utopian. Do you think that's true? Like he, like he thinks that's good. Yeah. He thinks that's a, that's a good avenue. Um, I don't know. I kind of think that is actually brought up more kind of an, another, uh, like the, that kind of kind of comes about at the end of the book, I think. Yeah. When you kind of get that part three. Kinda, yeah, part three, and you're like, whoa, that like he's really thinking like, what the party is doing is for the good of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a dark thing about our society now is what we think we're doing is is good for us because we think we the world was made for us, we mm-hmm. were made to rule it, which is a story of be shit. We'll get into it. Yeah, that is. Um, but I think it's kind of the same, and. I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> I just asked if you thought that was true. Like, do you think that path does lead to a utopia? Oh, oh and oh, okay. I was saying that I think the book A Brave New World kind of handles that a little more, like from the get-go. Is that that's what they're playing with? Because the society and A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley is another one that's often mentioned with uh, George Orwell's 1984. They even, like, were around the same time they knew each other, communicated about their books and their thoughts on society. But, yeah, uh, Huxley kind of starts in Brave New World much more of, like, society is already kind of at that moment of, like, they're perfect, essentially, but what is this perfection? Is like, is is that what life should be? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a while since I've read the book, so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have to go back and do that one. But, uh, yeah. So do you think that road leads to a utopia? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, you don't. I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of leads to literally what you just said, how Brave New World starts where, like, it is, like, perfect, but it's kind of like, what is this perfect? Yes. It's perfect, and then you'll have to see how the book ends. There's a twist. <laughs> don't tell me that. I haven't read it. That makes yeah, me go into it that, with such an open mind. <laughs> yes, and you said that that was one of the things that made you read 1984, was everyone said there was a twist at the end. It wasn't one of the things that made me read it. It's just something I always kept in mind. See, I think of it as a seed planted. Okay. Incepted. Okay. So I'm just saying there's, there's a, <sighs> the ending to Brave New World. Shocking. Well, my brain hurts after this. Mine does too. And that 
honestly, I think that's kind of how it is with reading the book because you're kind of... That's why it takes so long. It takes more mental exertion than normal reading does. Yes. <laughs> because you're not just thinking about what, like, you're obviously thinking about the story, but then, like, you think outside the story as well. And it... And when it, you start thinking about, like, you, like, look up and you're like, oh, shit. Should I be joking at a time like this? No, you just, like, see yourself in where we are in society, which I know... Well, it just... I don't know, you... Your head... I don't know, your head just starts spinning... I think it... My... I always feel tired... I would feel tired after reading and I feel tired after talking about it because... (laughs) And, like, this is not... Like, this is good ways, like, good ways, but just... It is different than other books I talk about. Um, I think one of the reasons is because... I just, I have all these questions and all these thoughts swirling and like, I never leave, I don't feel like I ever leave reading it or talking about it with like a firm, solid truth. Like a, yes, this is it. This is, this is what, like, this This is is the truth to take away from it. Like every time I come kind of like muddy water. (laughs) Well, I prefer the muddy water. I set you up for that one. You did. But Mm -hmm. I think I also would stand by that. Like some of the books and I think. Um, most of the books like we've talked about from well like the the alchemist for sure in mm-hmm. 1984 well 94 you know i've been reading for years for like a, over a decade because i think yeah it's one of those books you every time you read it you'll like the truth changes <laughs> you know the truth you get away from it and how you relate to it is different and it's like good to read every so often because it's challenging in thought every single time to where you are now um, and I think that about some of the other books too, especially like story of being Ishmael, but this one for sure. Now that I've like reread it, it's like, Oh, I, I want to revisit this book in a few years too, as humanity progresses. <laughs> Question as mark? time progresses, as we time know progresses. time will progress, <laughs> but then we just make up time. That's I can't add any more <laughs> questions like that to my head right now. Yeah. I think I'm ready for like a beer. Okay. You know, to kill some of these brain cells. <laughs> okay. So I'm Do trying to. Some... Li- I want to limit my thought with substance. Do you want some victory gin? Yes. Shit, we and... should have made missed opportunity. We should have like bought some gin and made some gin martinis for this podcast. I will say I was having a very good victory cigarette before we started recording this podcast. Okay. It's very good, and okay. I highly re- recommend it to anyone in our society. <laughs> Get yourself a victory cigarette. Well. Asterisk by that. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, that, there's a lot to cover in this book, and I think there's still a lot more yeah. to cover in this book. And I think there's there's like a hundred. We could re- record a hundred different podcasts on it, and they would be over. They would be very different every yeah. single one. So I know we didn't touch on everything, or and yeah, the ideas are and concepts are are difficult. And so, but it was cool talking about it. Yeah. I feel like I've never gotten to discuss it kind of like this. I mean, I can see... And that's I th- why I like this series. I can see why... I can see why, like... Like, you read this in high school. It was on a high school reading list. I can see... Like, I feel like you could do a whole class just on this book. But yeah. I can obviously see why it is a popular piece of literature that... I, like some schools do ban it, but it is in some it is in some schools, and like people have to read it at some mm-hmm. schools. Like I can see why, and I think it's actually a really cool piece of literature to study and to, like like we're doing right now. Like I think it's cool that people can do that 
yeah. in a classroom setting as well. And that's why it was a cool book for us to choose to do Untitled Reads. So basically, this is an English class. Wow. No. Don't, <laughs> no, don't describe it as... We're not teaching anyone anything. We don't know no. the answers. Who we're said just, it had to be about teaching? We're just asking each other questions. It's just about discussion. Discussion. This yeah. is a... This is like it's a discussion board. It's a round table. Okay. Well, it's a square table in our van of just me and you, but, you know, yeah. open discussion. But that was our open discussion for the book 1984 <laughs> by George Orwell, and I, I had fun. I had fun, too. Thanks for listening. Yes. And if you have your thoughts on the book, have them. Have them. <laughs> and let's tell talk them. about them. Let's talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.